This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive to win is expensive. I got expensive to win is expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, the wind and rain and the forest. Ready, break. What's up, Kevin Hill? It's halftime, buddy. <laughs> it is halftime, and I am budding. I am at the bit, just ready to start the second half. It's coming up on July 1st, and I'm just ready for a strong second half right now. Hey, you know what? If you got good fundamentals, this show is always at halftime because it's every Wednesday right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the day. Good time to see what you're sitting with. Good time to evaluate what you're doing. And, uh, you know, as we learned, we put this post out, maybe a good time for a lot of people, especially as businesses start to reopen to take a look at uh, maybe your pipeline and those kind of things. Exactly right. I mean, it doesn't matter where what happened in the first half of the year. It's history now. It's in the books. All you can do is, is move forward. If you had a bad first half, if you had a great first half, it's time to depress the accelerator down even further. Put the pedal to the metal, metal, yeah, pedal to the metal and uh, and charge out for a great second half. Because if you don't, all those gains in the first half might just evaporate away as quickly as they that they came in the first Yep, and this today's episode, this month's uh, What the Truck is sponsored by HubTech. HubTech just launched Tabby. It's a new task automation bot that helps you focus on what matters. To learn more, go HubTech.com. And also, hey, uh, Hope Davis and, I mean, sorry, hey, Hope White and uh, Catherine Whitehouse. Good afternoon to the both of you who have just commented in our comments here. You know, we put this topic out there. Wayne Craig, who's he's doing something really interesting, too. Talk about sales. Talk about immersion. He has Dave Abels on the road with him. And I think they end that today. It's their fifth wheel tour. He has Dave Abels, the CEO of the Dart Network, sitting in his truck, driving across America and seeing what truck drivers face in America. Well, Wayne, he commented on your post on here about last week's right about competing. Right. Mm-hmm. We were talking about sales lessons from the last dance. And he writes, unfortunately, I compete against myself. I don't usually do the conventional thing. And when I fail, which I do often, I'm always trying to figure out if I'm just not cut out for that particular thing I failed in or did I just suck at his execution. But uh, since the pandemic, he's realizing that it isn't very healthy to to beat himself down for the first time in 14 years. He's needed people. And uh, you know what? He has Dave Abels with him right now. He does. He does. And if you you don't follow Wayne Craig on on LinkedIn, do that. He's... This whole series uh, of videos that him and uh, Dave Abels have, have recorded while they're on the road are, are fascinating. They're, they're very entertaining. I guess uh, Dave Abels, CEO of the Dark Network, uh, had to talk himself out of an inspection station of, of being a hitchhiker, wow. which is a great story. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to be on what? What the truck on Friday? Yeah, they're going to they're going to round up. We're going to see some video from the trip, find out what they learned, the good, the bad and the ugly of being a truck driver in America. 
in 2020. The good, the bad, and the ugly of being a salesperson in America in 2020 is that it's a year unlike any other, and now is a perfect time to start evaluating how that year has been to you. We'll start out with a few quotes here, and the reason I picked a few is halftime speeches. Not everyone resonates with everybody. Here's one from a team who'd been there before. This is the New England Patriots. They're down 28-3 to at halftime against the Atlanta Falcons, I'm sure. That doesn't sit well with Falcons fans, but Martilius Bennett, he's the, he was a tight end on the Patriots at the time. He said the, the halftime meetings were nothing crazy. There was no great speech. There were no guys arguing, throwing helmets or anything. We came in and made adjustments. Everyone was focused on what we had to do. And that was it. We just made adjustments and changed up our game plan and how we were going to attack. And that is what they went with. So they just did what was working for them. And that's very quintessential of a Belichick team, right? You, you don't think Belichick's going to get angry, throw things around, be very emotional. It's just going to be very businesslike, very businesslike, make adjustments, which they do really well at halftime and, and go out and have that championship DNA and and just go out and attack. And, and they did. And it was a, a great comeback. I agree completely. You had another one from an amazing comeback, the Red Sox. When was your quote from that? I know, right? It's all Boston, which I mean, makes you very happy, I'm sure, coming from Boston. But it was back in 2004, the Red Sox were down in the ALCS to the Yankees, three games to zero. No one's ever came back from three games to zero to win the next four. But Boston did. I actually went to game one in Yankee Stadium that year and watched that. But Kevin Millar is playing catch on the sidelines before game four and, you know, just just in, in that Kevin Millar attitude uh, of happy-go-lucky. Uh, don't, don't let us win tonight. You let us win tonight. We got Pedro in Game 5, Schilling in Game 6, and Game 7, anything can happen. And that's, uh, that's the same with, with cells too, right? You trust your process. You go to your process. You go to the, the, the big guns, the things that you do really well, you know, and that, that takes the place of Pedro Martinez and Kurt Schilling you rely on the things that you do well, and you put yourself in a position to go into game seven in the second half of the year, and anything can happen. You're putting yourself into a lucky situation if you do that. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Any Given Sunday, and, you know, I, I love those Red Sox teams. I'm from Boston myself. 2004 Red Sox, huge, huge championship. And the only bad thing about winning after such a long time is that it does not feel as special the next times that your team does it. But, uh, man, that 2003 team followed by the 2004, the heartbreak in 2003, amazing stuff. And that also oh, yeah. had that big fight on the mound between, uh, who was it, Pedro and uh, who was the pitching coach? Don something or other. Uh, D- D- Don Zimmer. Don, Don Zimmer. Zimmer used to be the manager of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I remember game seven in, uh, in 2003 uh, was Aaron Boone hit that extra inning game seven home run. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a heartbreaker for the, the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, super, super amazing stuff out of those guys. Uh, they, any given Sunday, too. Another 90s movie, Any Given Sunday. Here's Tony D'Amato. He goes, either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble inch by inch, play by play till we're finished. We are in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here and get the kicked out of us or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell one inch at a time. Some people respond to that. And here's one that a lot of people responded to. If you guys in the back can roll that clip of the uh, the, the halftime time speech from a high school game in 2007 you know you can find inspiration anywhere hit the tape every day um at some point during the day i open up a book that i believe in and i, I just pop to a page i look through david was the least likely but the one chosen he was the youngest the smallest 
the weakest. I'm telling you what, he was the least likely candidate. There are a lot of people out here tonight who think you are the least likely candidate to be successful. David was chosen because he had an intangible. His intangible was his heart. All right? Now, they're bigger. They got athletes. They got guys going to Division I schools. All right? We can see that, and so can everybody else. But nobody can see the intangible with us. All right, there's a reason why I opened up to that passage. We gotta make that happen tonight. Be the intangible tonight. Here we go. Kevin, which one are you? Are you listening to Tony Diamato or are you listening to the uh, Indian Hills Braves high school football team's coach, Tony uh, Crury? Are you listening to Kevin Millar? Or are you listening to uh, Martulius Bennett? I, you know, I, I'm listening to all of them. Uh, they, they all have really great insights. Uh, the, 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 the two football or, the, you know, Tony, De, any given Sunday and, and the clip that you just showed more on the emotional side and, you know, the, the, the Patriots and, and the Red Sox more on, I, I don't know, not really the rational side, but the process side uh, about just getting business done, getting down to business and, and focus. No, I, I like all four. <laughs> yeah, I got to agree with you. Although, you know, nothing better than like a good inspirational high school, high school speech. And for those of you who've let us know the sound's not working on LinkedIn. Yes, we are well aware. Thank you for Thank you for pointing that out. LinkedIn's been having a lot of trouble lately, so hopefully we can get that back up. But one of the reasons we decided to go with this one is we're inspired by yet another speech, and this was a video by our guest today, Brent Orsuga, and here is a, uh, here's a clip of that. Here's the reality. We're still in Q2. We're not even at halftime yet, and people are ready to throw in the towel. People are ready to call it quits. You're showing me one successful sports team who has given up before halftime, let alone at half, and said, sorry, coach, we can't do it. We're not going to win the game. We're not going to win this year. It doesn't happen. You have to think, what are halftimes for? Halftimes are for making adjustments, pivoting, seeing what's working, what's not working, and then going out and finishing the game, finishing strong. Q3 and Q4 is going to be back. Things are opening up. It is not time to take your foot off the gas. It is time to reevaluate and get ready to get after it. So let's go. Yeah, David Mears, he he come down to, he said, Brent, so true. It's not even halftime yet, and people are throwing in the towel and giving up on their teams. Here's to a strong second half. He loved Brent's video. You can also follow him. He's a great follow, and he'll be on this show at 1225. But uh, what do you make of all that, Kevin? And why did this episode, this topic, inspire you? Because uh, you have to finish strong. I mean, wherever you are, there you start. And and we're starting. If, if you had a bad first half or a good first half, it doesn't matter anymore. That, that half is is just about over. we got two or three more weeks, and you have to focus 
especially if you had a bad first half, you got to focus on on the second half. Anything is salvageable. Uh, you know, the Boston Red Sox show that New England Patriots, you know, all these these great inspirational uh, speeches. Uh, you just have to go out and attack and finish strong, just like Brent said, and 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 work on what you need to work on. Leverage what's been working well and just go out and attack. Yeah, I mean, but focus is such a vague term, right? You know, go ahead and focus. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what focus. does that mean? Okay. What do I actually got to go out there and do to focus? Well, one of the first things you probably want to be assessing right now, and you probably want to assess quite often, but I know that a lot of times in sales, we tend to go into autopilot. We tend to push sales calls out. We tend to push our pipeline out. But right now, middle of the year, right? Middle of the year, unprecedented years, everyone says, Take a look at your pipeline and see what you're sitting with and evaluate which one of your closes are going to be there. Because you're going to get a lot of discovery just going into your sales force. You want to see what's going to close in the next 30, 60, 90. Update those numbers. Get them realistic and see also who you haven't followed up yet. Because not just you. It's not just you going back to the office, Kevin. It's a bunch of other people as well. So new opportunities may have arisen. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to... Be- to, to sit down, just like you said, evaluate and be really honest with yourself. Be really honest with your pipeline and and take a very objective look at it, not a wishful, you know, rose-colored glasses type of, of, of look at it. But just be honest and brutally honest about it. And once you do that, you know where you stand and you know what you have to do. And, and going back, you know, find out what is working well for you now, even if it's just a, a tiny piece of the puzzle. And start leveraging that, building off of that, and assessing what you need to work on, and not everything. You know, there's, say there's five or six parts of uh, the, the sales process that, that you dabble in. Uh, you know, find out what's the most lacking and go out and focus and attack that because you can't fix everything that you're doing wrong all at once. You have to take it bit by bit. You know, the, the old saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I think that one of your priorities now, too, is discovering, like we mentioned, circumstances have changed for you. They've changed for everybody else. So when you're going in that that pipeline and figuring out what you can move forward, if you can't figure out a, a great way to move them forward, this is also a good time to connect with your team or your manager. If they're not doing some sort of halfway point evaluation of you, say that you are evaluating your halfway progress and you're looking for some help moving X accounts forward. They may know someone within the organization who sold your product along similar lines of business and they've had much better luck. Maybe you aren't having the right conversations. Another great opportunity to have that sort of open forum and create that dialogue with your team. Yeah, if you don't have the answers yourself, go find the answers. And that could be within your four walls. It could be within your team. It could be outside your team. It could be uh, through reading a book, listening to podcasts, whatever it takes. uh, Go find those answers because if it's not working right now, uh, and if you're just relying on yourself uh, totally to, to, to find that answer within yourself, uh, you're going to have issues. If you need to find answers, find solutions, go out, find them anywhere you can. Do you think most reps are too optimistic when they're doing this sort of evaluation? Like, I know we're going to look at our survey later, and we saw that a lot were somewhat optimistic to optimistic that even though they were low on their numbers, they felt like they were going to close. In good times or bad times, do you you think a lot of times sales reps tend to take a more optimistic viewpoint of their pipeline than maybe they should? And maybe they should uh, allow it to light a little bit more of a fire under their ass? 
I, I, I think you're right. I, I think a lot of times that the, the very optimistic or very pessimistic, so the pendulum swings very widely and it's never in the middle where it kind of should be, which is more of a realistic. So if you're very pos- or optimistic about your, your pipeline, uh, usually you don't have many data points or, or evidence pieces to to kind of support that view and you're just optimistic to be op- optimistic and that's that's never a good good sign it's never a good situation uh you should put the pieces together to be optimistic so i think that's what we're going to find in the survey a little, a little bit later on now kevin on this show though we have stressed optimism optimism quite a bit right and how optimistic yeah. thinking mm-hmm. can help accelerate your sales why in this circumstance though is it a bad thing to be overly optimistic well, a lot of times you're open, over optimistic without putting in the, the the work and working the process the way you need to 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 really be optimistic to have re- a really good pipeline with really strong uh, opportunities to to finish out their year strong. You just say, well, I'm just going to be optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm not going to do anything to put myself in an optimistic or or in a, a lucky spot. You know, I, it goes back kind of you make your own luck. So if you, if you just want to be lucky without putting yourself in the position to to get lucky, you're probably not going to get the the good type of luck that that most people get. But if you put yourself in a position to be lucky or to be optimistic, then that's a good spot. But I, I don't think a lot of sales reps out there actually do that. You know who is too optimistic? Would you agree with that, Dooner? I'm going to tell you who is too optimistic. Grady Little in Game Four of the 2003 ALCS when he left uh, Pedro. On the mound for too long. That's what George Abernathy's harassing me on Slack about. And he's right, you know, and this is another <laughs> yeah. thing about optimism. Optimism is great when it's real, but if it's BS optimism, it's not good. And that also brings in a, a, a good point. So if you're a manager right now and you're looking at people's KPIs and you're looking at their reps and you're looking at their, matri- their, their metrics and you're trying to evaluate how they're doing, sales reps, you also need to understand what your CRM is saying about you. So when you're going in there and you're updating things, Realize that someone else may be looking at that, too, and understand how you may look through that set of eyes and those set of lenses. Another good reason to get your pipeline back up in order. Uh, And again, because there's only so long you can hide from your numbers. So right now, if you're just being optimistic with them, because you know what? We've been out of work for a while, right? We've been been sitting at home. We've been enjoying the good life. People of the wolf has been away from the door for a little bit because they know that people have been adjusting. But I tell you what, that dog is going to come barking soon enough because there's another quarter right on the horizon. There's another quarter and everyone's optimistic about that quarter because businesses are coming back online. You know, the auto manufacturers are, are humming again. You have discretionary spending inching up bit by bit. So you the expectations of, of managers and company owners, C-level guys are, are expanding as well. So they're getting optimistic. And part of that optimism is based on what's in the CRM. And if that's not updated, if that's not showing a, a strong pipeline and a real pipeline, then that, that wolf is going to come home. I think that three of the key metrics, the three drivers of success in sales, the, the most immediate ones, the most obvious ones that you can look at are immediacy, persistence, and how often your team is booking appointments or you personally are booking appointments. You're making that close. You can close. You can actually close to get a meeting, right? If you can't get that one, you're never going to get the sale done. But immediacy, what I would be looking at when I was looking when I was on the marketing side was how quick did this sales rep take a lead that was given to him? How much work did they do to research it? What kind of notes they put on, especially more valuable needs? And if they didn't do the work they needed to do, I would make sure to move those leads on to someone else. But I think immediacy is a huge one. If you have a manager that's that's hypervigilant, 
that's probably one of the ones that's going to set them off the most. Well, why is this rep getting all of these leads, but they're not doing anything with them? Yeah, so if you're not doing anything with the leads, you're not going to get very many leads uh, going forward. So it's that immediacy, and then that's what everyone should should really have front of mind right now is converting, converting in every part of the the the, the funnel. You know, from lead generation to uh, you know prospecting into meetings, and, and just having immediacy, and that's where uh, the, those reps that were making a lot of calls, doing a lot of prospecting when everyone was saying no when the world was upside down and no one could make a decision, but they were making discovery calls. So they were making calls or connecting with people. They were opening up uh, doors with conversations just, uh, just to learn more about uh, whoever they were calling and, and setting up the, that kind of foundation from the feet up right now that is going to start paying dividends much quicker than the reps who, you know, qu- in a lot of ways, quick trying because they weren't getting that immediate gratification of yeses all the time. And it became a slow grind and the negativity entered their mind. And they said, well, no one's buying right now. Why should why should I be on the phone? Why should I be calling? No one's going to say yes. I just got no one's going to say there's no freight out there. There's no freight out there. Speaking and of co- Kevin, speaking of coffee, starting over once again. Sorry. Right, speaking of coffee, I just got a notification that 400 Starbucks are permanently closing in the U.S. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So there's only going to be one on on every corner, not not two on every two on every corner across the street. Just you know what? Just it's just one. It was just a notification. I don't know if they're talking oh, about okay. like in in airports. Those ones are closing. Which which exactly? Uh, which Starbucks exactly are closing? But um, yeah, I don't know. Big coffee. The other one's persistence. Kevin is uh, what would drive me nuts, and I've done this as a sales rep myself. Is not setting the second appointment or setting the next follow up activity. So. You send out the email or you, you do a phone call or you reach out to them on LinkedIn. Then you don't go in the CRM, though, and do any follow-up. So you got rid of that red notification that's been bugging the hell out of you. You got to reach out to to Joe, whomever, right? And then you finally do it, but then you don't make the notification there. If I'm, if I'm your manager doing an evaluation now, I look at that like you are not following up on leads, though. So you really got to be careful about the optics of what you're doing and what your behavior does to drive how people manage you. Exactly right. I mean, and the, the art of the follow up is, is something that that we'll tackle here in the future. But there's all you know, you, you follow up until they cry or die, right? Until until they tell you to get lost, and then sometimes you leave them alone after that. And but when they die, you, you kind of you you know that's the the end of of the conversation. But unless you're fanatical about that and really going after that, uh, there's always someone, you know, a manager, anyone would come in saying you're not following up too much. So, or not following up enough. So always just focus on overdoing that. So what if you're the manager, you come up to, you come up to your sales rep and you go, Hey, you know what? You're just not booking enough appointments. Does the, uh, does the pandemic brush you off the plate on that one? Or, or are you bringing up another point here? It doesn't really brush you off the plate. I mean, everyone's really migrated. Everyone I talk to, everyone I interact with, uh, and a lot of people who weren't, who'd never really done video calls are now pretty well on board to it. So, uh, you know, appointments are video calls. Appointments are telephone calls. So there, there any any type of uh, of appointment that, that you can you can uh, further the sales process. So whether it's in person or not, uh, COVID related, uh, you can always fall back on that excuse. But you know, just like all excuses, you know, no one wants to, to listen to it. 
What would you say to someone who's kind of in that, you know, they're they're giving you that they're giving the BS optimism, but deep down they really feel like the year is lost. They're just going to ride it out until they get that email, bring in your laptop and your cell phone. Would I think about it? No. What would you say to someone who was who was having that mentality? I, you know, you, you just have to, to 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 get rid of the negativity. You know, this is a fresh start. You know, basically, you're going to be a judge from today on forward. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about anything like that. What you can control is right now, today, this second, start making it happen. You know, what's in the past is in the past. If you want to, uh, if you if you don't want the email telling you to to bring in your laptop, uh, just it, it, everything's a fresh start. Just like uh, the second half of of any football game, basketball game, anything that with a halftime. Yeah, it, well, it's a it's a new new game. I mean, it does. Sometimes it does depend on the team, right? I mean, there's just some teams who don't come well, out. Yeah. They don't answer the bell. No, they don't. They don't. And it's it's a fact of life. And, and that's what separates is that thin line of separation that separates the uh, the top performers. You know, that top 20 percent, you know, you have the Pareto rule where the top 20 percent produce 80 percent of the revenue and the other 80 percent produce 20 percent. And that is a it's a comprehensive rule. I mean, it doesn't really change. I, I haven't found very many organizations, uh, whether they're their teams or businesses where that that rule doesn't exist. I mean, it, it almost has to exist. So that's just part of part of life. You no, know it's part of life. Colin Brent up. Let's get him. On the line. 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey, Brent. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining myself and Kevin Hill on Put That Coffee Down. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. (laughs) We had to give you your inspirational music. Uh, A little earlier in the show, we also played a clip of of a great halftime speech from like a, uh, I don't know, a a seventh grade football team. But we also put one out. We also played a clip from your video where you were talking about halftime, which kind of inspired this episode. I know it's a natural conversation in sales. We're at that midway point. But uh, Brent, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So Brent Osuga, uh, founder, owner, Pinnacle Growth Advisors, based here in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it's about 100 degrees here already today. But we work all over the country, U.S., Canada. Uh, personally, for the last 11 years, everything that I have done is in the freight industry. Very, very niche specific. So we partner with companies really within three sectors. Let's call it the asset side. Number two, I'm going to say 3PL, which includes a lot of like the technology platform companies. And then number three, more of the traditional truckload brokerages. So these companies come to us when they want talent. We go out there and find it and move hundreds and hundreds of people a year kind of around the industry. Wow. You have a, uh, you know, there's nothing more unique than uh, than this side of the business. This is why we do a sales show dedicated to it. But what do you think makes, makes you know, 3PL freight sales, this end of the business so much different than, I don't know, maybe general business? You know, the, the, the 3PL and, and freight world is unique in the sense that, number one, it's a grind. I think everyone realizes that. Number two, it's ever-changing. Like, there's no way to predict what a day is going to look like, right? Because there's too many variables. It's never as simple as pick up over here, drop off over there, A to Z, everything's smooth and easy. Like, there's always going to be curveballs. There's always going to be fires to put out. So I think that that's where... 
some people kind of become addicted to it because they like the organized chaos. They like that it's kind of always going to be evolving and changing. And, uh, you know, that's just the reality of the industry that we play in. Do you, uh, do you run across a personality type that, that really fits into the, to the 3PL freight brokerage sales mentality better than, than other personality types? You know, you, you, you have to be cut from a certain cloth. You know, you, you have to be, and this is something that I teach the companies that we work with as well. Like, hire the will, teach the skill. You can't teach those intangibles. You can't teach work ethic, drive, ambition tenacity, grit, right? Like you can't tell me that you mm-hmm. can assess that through a lot of these personality assessments and things that these companies do. You're either wired that way or you're not. And you need to have all of those characteristics to win in this environment. This is not something where you could just hand somebody a script and say, go. There's too many moving parts. And so I think that those are going to be the common traits of the winners. Those are going to be the common traits of the people that have massive success within this industry. If you look at the people in the profiles, there is going to be a common theme. There's no luck involved here. Yeah. Brent, I got a question for you. If I, Let's say I'm looking for a little luck. Let's say I'm that rep who's been sitting home in, uh, in self-isolation, just going through the motions, you know, knowing the, the beast is away from the door. But you know what? I realized that I got to get back to work. I realized there's a whole second half here. What do you say to that person who just kind of really haven't put the work in? So a couple things. Number one, th- there's always only two things that as a sales rep in life or business in general that you can control. Two things. Everyone should write these down. Activity and attitude. That is it. Other things are going to come up. Other things are going to surface. But you can control your mental state every single day. Am I going to be negative or positive? Because you get what you expect. Most people just don't expect to win. They just go through the motions. And number two, activity. The reality is the goals that people have do not align in most cases with the output that they put out. If you want to have massive goals, you have to take massive action. You can't, the pipeline is gold. It's everything you have. And the beautiful part about it, you can control that. That's why, like when it comes to sales, to me, it's black and white. I have no sympathy for people because it is always between you and you. There's nothing that's going to stop you between you. You know, you determine when you show up, you determine the mental mindset that you have that day to show up. And only you know if you give it a 10. But the only things you can control, activity and attitude. You, everyone should have those on their whiteboard, a post-it note, write it on their hand. I don't care, but that's the God honest truth of what you can control every single day. Did you get that, Kevin? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree total. You know, activity and attitude. So if you're a rep, Brent, uh, so, so if you're a rep and you're behind on your numbers right now, you're going to the second half, uh, the immediacy, you know, what activity... Uh, what's the one thing that you're going to focus on more than anything else? And what activity are you going to do to, uh, to just start building a, a strong second half of, of 2020? Touch points. People just simply don't have enough activity. They're not, they're not making enough calls. They're not reaching out to enough people. They're not reaching out to the right people. They're not doing their due diligence to find out what kind of customers they want to obtain. You know, the formula is always very simple. And, and what we do is a numbers game. Well, I don't care whether it's recruiting. I don't care whether it's freight sales. It's, it's all the same in reality. Every sales is. But most people are just not doing simply enough touching to get the results that they want. 
You have to remember, we have 204 days left in the year. 204. That is a lot of time. But what you do today, what you do this week, you might not see those results until July or August. So it begins now. That's the mindset you have to be. Everything in sales has a cycle, a sales cycle. Just because you make that call today doesn't mean you're going to see it come to fruition tomorrow. Yeah, and I think that that's where a lot of people get frustrated is because we live in the world of instant gratification. Everyone wants it right now. And if it doesn't happen today, they get depressed, they mentally check out, and they give up. Yeah. Uh, hey, Brent, I'm, I'm with yeah. you on that one. I feel like, uh, huh, I've, you know... Uh, it's like it's like weight loss, right? Or it's like a diet. Like if you have activities like calories in, calories out, right? And it's not it's not something that's immediate. But we all know that there's some sort of at the at the basic nugget of all of this. There's you. There's an inward reflection that nearly every sales rep has to have, and it's finding that motivation and finding that time to go out there and actually do the work that needs to be done consistently on a daily basis. And that's where the hard work comes in, man. That's why there's so many different diets and so many different sales methods, because sometimes people are trying to take shortcuts from these methods, but you're right. A lot of it just comes down to actually going down, sitting there and and stop conceptualizing and actually doing the activity. And I think if you really focus on what's happening right now, this is actually a blessing in disguise in some regards because so many people are now working remote that I've been in hundreds of brokerages over the last decade, hundreds. I usually like to go in at 8 a.m., right when it opens or right after lunch. And I know within 20 seconds what the vibe and what the culture is because if that place is pure silent, why? Those are the two time points that I look at, right? Start of the day, Who's getting in there and getting after it? And then who just ate lunch and is full on Chipotle and then getting after it again? That's where the separation is done. You can find out who the hustlers are just on those two time periods alone. But right now, a lot of these offices are distractions. Like think about how many offices go in and everyone's just small talk, screwing around, talking about sports betting instead of freight. I mean, just little things happen. Right now, like most people are set up at home. There's no more excuses. This is prime time. Like this is you and your laptop and that's it. So you can't blame on lack of results on anything outside effort. Brent, you mentioned a while ago, picking out who you're going to call, right? Who you're going to call, who your target market is. How important is it for sales reps and organizations uh, to, to really focus on that, to, to drive activity in a, a, a very concentrated manner? You know, instead of trying to spread yourself too thin, picking out exactly who you want to sell to, uh, to, to drive activity. How important is that? Well, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in two things. Number one, I've heard this over and over and I truly believe it. Riches are in the niches. Riches are in the niches. You have to become really good at something. I don't care if that's just a dry band specialist, a heavy haul person, a reefer LTL. You have to figure out what your thing is and then go all in there. I don't, I think a lot of people just try to be all over the place and just show up with no goal or no plan. The other thing is that you, there's so much information available to us nowadays. It's lazy if you don't do your homework. Even I, I get solicited all the time with people and I'll call them out because they're not doing their due diligence between LinkedIn alone and every other platform that's out there. You can find out stuff about a company so that you're not walking in blind. That is going to be the, the, the goal that you should be doing in between calls, 
you know, everything else, like find out who you want to target, find out who they are about them. Because you have to remember when you get on these calls, two things, number one, the power is in the presentation. That's the other thing that I think people really need to hone on is, is that opening 30, 60, 90 seconds power in the presentation. And then number two, you have to let people talk. Everyone loves to talk about themselves. Let them. Too many people try to force their own agenda and their own sales pitch down someone's throat without even asking questions. That disconnect is going to be off from the start. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Brent. We also, we did a survey about this. We always like to survey our audience here, see what people are sitting with, especially in regards to the topic. And then hopefully you, our expert, can can help us navigate these waters. The first question was, how are your sales compared to your 2020 target right now? And uh, the significant portion of our listeners, over 75%, said either somewhat lower or significantly lower, where only about 35% were on target, somewhat higher or significantly higher. So we, you gave a little advice to the people who are just not doing the activity, not doing the work. But what about the ones who are but are still somewhat lower? They want to, they want to accelerate what they're doing. They want to walk out of here with a little bit better of a plan. You know, the thing is this. You, you can't you control what you can control. You can't live in the past. Sales is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. No one is going to talk about January, February, March, the last couple of months. It is what it is. You have to have neutral thinking. You can't live in the past. You can't focus on what didn't work and all the deals that fell apart. All you can control is what happens moving forward, right? It's no different than sports. And that's why I think we're on the phone is because of the halftime, you know, mindset. So you threw a couple of interceptions, a couple of receivers dropped balls. It is what it is. You can't go back in time. But there's so much time left that that's got to be the mindset moving forward. And so, you know, what is going to be the approach? Okay, so if, if something's not working, that's what half times are for. Half times are for adjustment, reevaluate. What didn't work? Who did I not call? What do I have to pivot and do differently to get different results? Nothing changes if nothing changes. Most people just try to get this. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Most people just go in, go through their routine, go through the motions, and expect magic to happen. It doesn't work that way. You have to be able to adapt. So it doesn't matter what happens. All you can focus on is what happens next, just like in sports. The next play, the next drive, one call, one day at a time. It starts upstairs, fellas. It starts upstairs with the mindset and belief and everything else. You have to know you're going to win. You have to expect to win. What you put out to the universe comes back. It is a boomerang. And that's the, that's the reality. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, exactly. I agree, agree with Brent. What's in the past is in the past. I watched in the last dance again. And, and you know, they, they said Michael Jordan never worried about a, a shot he hadn't taken yet. Why worry about something you haven't done? And that's kind of the mentality you have to have in the second half, too. You know, put the past to the past. You know, deals that didn't close, deals that fell apart or just in the past, you can't think about them and you can't think you can't project that to the future, that that the past will be like the future. You just have to let go of all of that and focus on what you have to do right now and expect to win. Just as, as Brent said, you have to expect it. You have to have that mentality that you expect to win, even if you've lost 99 times uh, in a row and, and you just have uh, a dumpster fire. Uh, of a first half of the year. You, you just have to have to forget all about that, live in the present and, and just go out there and expect, uh, expect that they win, yeah. expect to win and expect to do the, do the activity 
and and work the process to to put yourself in a position to to to, to win in the second half. Cool. Yeah. I, what I would say is, you know, in, in the terms of living in the past, one thing you might want to do, though, is go take a trip down memory lane and see you hadn't contacted since this pandemic started. Because I imagine that there's uh, quite a bit of difference, right, in, in how they're handling operations right now. They've had a big change. They might be receptive to some of these conversations and disruptions, these things you were talking about before you you spoke to them last year. Don't let that be a deterrent. There's a whole new reason to reach out to anybody you haven't to recently right now. And I think some of the best advice I ever got business-wise in general was always call your customers before they call you. Yeah, you have yeah. to be proactive. You, you have to understand that your role in sales is to develop relationships and be a partner, not a vendor. You know there's a difference in the two, right? Especially in the freight world. There's going to be some people that get transactional freight. The problem is with low-hanging fruit, everyone can reach it. And then you're going to have contractual freight. You're going to be a partner. You want to be an extension of these companies. And this is the thing, too. Everyone knows how hard it is to get clients. When you land one, those are your babies. You have to go all in to know them, service them, go above and beyond to keep them. Because anyone in sales who has landed a client, I guarantee some of that has come by letting someone else screw up and you slide in. Don't let that happen to your clients. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. You know, you know what's funny though. So we, our second survey question was, "What are your expectations for hitting your second half sales target?" So, a lot of listeners, it seems like they are expecting to be that phone call to call their client before that problem happens because seventy five percent were either very optimistic or somewhat optimistic, with only twenty five percent being somewhat pessimistic and nobody being very pessimistic. As I asked Kevin earlier in the show, Brent, do you think that more people should be a little more concerned about how this thing's going to play out for the rest of the year, or are they, or they should they remain optimistic? Should they keep that mentality? You know, I, I'm probably the wrong guy to speak to on that because my mental game is so sharp. Mentality is, is a muscle like anything else, right? And so I work on it so much and program my mind to be so positive. I don't come ever from a place of average or thinking negative. You know, if there's, if there's anything that I can share from like a goal uh, planning standpoint, I think this has been essential for anything that I've done. And I think a lot of people can do this too, is you have to come from a place of expecting to win. You have to work backwards. Think about this. Most people that set goals work up, right? So let's just use rough numbers. I want to make $150,000, rough numbers. You have to understand the metrics that are going to get you there, right? But going up, I made 10, I made 15, I made 30, I made 40. It still looks like an upward climb. What happens if you just flip that around and be like, you know what? I'm making that this year. I know what's going to happen. Now I'm going down. So now I go from 150 down to 135, down to 107, down to 72. You see the difference? You have to come from that mindset that I'm already going to achieve this. The other thing that people should be working on right now is knowing your data, knowing your number, knowing your metrics. You should know what, how many loads you need to move at the average profit margin and what that's going to net in gross profit per month. We're just going to talk brokerage sales for now. Because that's the number that everyone cares about. Anyone that's talked to me knows that I ask that question. What is your monthly GP? You know why I ask that? It's points per game. That's all I'm trying to find out. I don't sell people as books of business 
hey, this guy's going to come over and bring 50 or 100 with him tomorrow. The world doesn't work that way. What these companies are trying to identify is what is this person's talent level? How much success does this person have? Is he averaging five grand a month or 50 or 100? It just lets us know what caliber of player you are. All it is. But you have to identify and know those metrics because then you can control that. You can control the output. You know that I'm going to have to make 100 calls to get 13 customers. If I get 13 customers, I'm going to get X amount of loads. At these percentages, is going to equal Y. Simple math. Break it down and simplify it. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I mean, I think that it's great to be optimistic. It's it's uh, it's powerful. It's impactful to be optimistic. But you got to be realistic when you're being optimistic. And if you haven't done the work or the accounts, the accounts themselves aren't just going to ma- just going to materialize. And I think part of what you're saying, Brent, too, is that in order to have that confidence, have that optimism, have that mentality, you're also putting the reps in, right? You're putting the time in. You're structuring these things, and you're asking the right questions too. That's the thing. You're you know the word. I don't even like the word sales. It's helping. That's all you're doing is helping people. You can't help people until you know what their inefficiencies are. You can't help people unless you know what their pain points are. The role of a salesperson is not to just sell. See, I don't believe in the Grant Cardone takeaway clothes and the boiler room days and all that nonsense. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. You have to, as a sales rep, just become really knowledgeable at what you do. Master your craft. Know your company. Know your strengths. Know the lanes you specialize in. Know the prices you can get. Understand the relationships you have with carriers. That's your job. So that when you talk to these companies, you speak in a very clear, concise, educated manager, manner, manner, excuse me, on this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what I can do for you. Not random. Yes, it's, it's not random whatsoever. You want to get in that position, and that's what you're talking to, uh, Brent, is, is to have your customers, especially your customers, but, you know, prospects too, come find, or maybe not even come find you, you can go find them, but you want them to, to say, I need some help with this. It's not the transactional world is what can I help you with? What can I help you with? You know, oh, well, I'll give you this to, to, to make you happy to, to, so, so you'll quit calling me at 6am every morning. You want people coming to you saying, you know, I need help with this. You know, to you know, to me, it's a. I, I need help with this, Kevin. That's what position that that you're ultimately becoming an expert to to position yourself as, right? And people will remember that when you help them out, when you go above and beyond. You know, there's a famous saying: the person who gets who does more than he has paid will get paid more than he does. Something along those lines. But it's it's sometimes you mm-hmm. have to take a loss. Sometimes you have to not do things that are going to turn profit. Sometimes you have to bend over. For the client, just be like, what do you need? How can I serve you? That's the things that get remembered. That's how you're going to get more business. Too many people think in a transactional manner and not relationships. Relationships exactly are right. the key uh, to uh, the uh, industry. Oh, go ahead. I'm just going to say, Yo, relationships well, well, are the key to everything. Uh, go ahead. That's all. Let's go on to the next question. How difficult has each step in the sales process been for you in the first half of 2020 compared to last year? We asked the questions of closing, follow-up, presentation, demos, discovery calls, and prospecting. And people found in our survey that nearly everything was at least 50% more difficult, with closing being 70% more difficult, following up being 61%, demos being 61%, discovery calls being 58%. 
and prospecting being 58%. Kind of, I found that a little curious because I, I don't, I'm not sure why this would inhibit your prospecting. You seem, you probably have more time not driving around from business to business. Uh, that, that to me stems from someone who may not be putting the work in. What do you think about that one? Well, I think it's interesting that the one that stuck out to me is follow up 61%. Follow up something you control. Yeah. So it's like, no, mm-hmm. no, look, in, in sales, it's very rare that people are going to knock down your door. Oh my gosh. I remember when you contacted me last January. I remember in 2017 when you hit me up. You have constantly, you know what I say I am? A professional shoulder tapper. Hey, how you doing? Checking in. What's going on? How are things over there? That's what you have to do. It's just a contact sport. And you always have to be checking in and, and seeing how things are going. How can I serve you? How can I be of assistance? Wanted to share this value in the industry. I help the customer just like you guys. Wanted to have you understand that situation. It's top of mind. The people that get the business are the ones that are consistently top of mind. Not just popping their head up. You ever gone to like Chuck E. Cheese and played that game where you get the hammer and the little head pops up and you got to knock it down and the next one comes up? That's what most sales reps do. They just pop their head up every couple of months. Oh, hey, how's it going? Like, it's not consistent. Oh, yeah. They make themselves, a lot of them make them, Brent, a lot of them make themselves easy to brush away, too. It's it's like they call up defeated. They're like, okay, please just say you're not interested so I can go and move on to my next task and just get that, get that moved out of Salesforce, get that, get that task moved out of red. You see far too many reps, and that's like a defeated mentality with that just approaching things, expecting to lose instead of expecting to win. You're, if you expect to lose, you're, you're done. You're toast. I love, I love those people. You know why? Because they're not even on our level. Like you, you're going to gobble up all those. We'll bring those people in the office, right? So th- the thing is this. Right now, the way the market is, no company should be, should be carrying dead weight. None. If you're not right now running with thoroughbreds and you have some donkeys, that's on you. Because the way that the market has been, there is talent on the sidelines that were a victim of circumstance company shut down, how to make adjustments, whatever. If you're not capitalizing and getting the best people on your team, because as a sales manager, even you're only as good as your weakest link. That's all you're good at. You should carry no dead weight. And right now is the time to seize that time. We've gotten so busy because of that, especially with all the PPP money that came in. You didn't have to use that for the same people. You just have to use it for headcount. Now is the time to get that team, that core group strong. Everything that I think of, even for my team that I, that I built, it's a relay race. I shouldn't be running 100 miles per hour and everyone else 10%. I don't know how these sales managers have a team of 8 to 12 people like most pods do and there's, there's such a gap between 1 and 8 or 1 and 12 that blows my mind. Get good people, coach them, train them, mentor them, work with them, because you're only as strong as that last leg. You know what? We had one last question on here before we uh we had we had our well we're gonna put this one out so we can review it over. We're running a little bit out of time, but it was which part of the sales process do you think is most important for you to spend time improving in the second half of 2020? And a lot of people still finding prospecting to be to be problematic for them. They got to spend more time doing it. And uh, Kevin, that was one of our first episodes that I'm prospecting because without the yeah. leads, right? If you don't get the leads, you're not going to make the sales. You got to contact some people. And part of doing that contacting is the prospecting and prospecting is just getting discovery, finding out some information about who you're calling and who to call, who aligns with whatever you do. And as Brent says, that I, is one of the things you can control. You know, you can control follow up, uh, prospecting and follow up. Those are two things that are totally in your control. 
Closing's not always in your control. Setting up meetings isn't always in your control. But activity-based, like like Brent was saying, those two things, you put in a, a, enough activity to hit the metrics that you want to hit, uh, it kind of f- flows down from that top-down goal-making. Uh, those are under your control and, and, and shouldn't be a problem. Well, and, and here's the reality, too. Like, there's a, I laugh when I hear leads. Can I get a lead? Like, what, what, what salesperson gets leads? Like, in reality, especially the hustlers, right? There's so many sales people that identify as sales reps that, in theory, are two things. Number one, really, they're account managers. You give them something, they can grow and penetrate it and become the face. That's great. That's a role that is necessary within the industry. But number two, the people that do understand and can become really good at the prospecting, you have no idea the world that they can create for themselves. Those are always going to be the people that are in demand. Hunters, not farmers. There's a lot of farmers. And as somebody that talks to sales reps in the industry literally daily, it's very easy for me to identify who just outlasted everyone on their sales team for the training class. Right, they started with six guys, and the last one left, and just inherited a bunch of accounts. You can't huff and puff like you're a big dog. I have a lot of respect for the people that turned it on by themselves, self-made, self-made, self-paid. I have a lot of respect for those people. Wow, Brian, we have a lot of respect for you. Yep. For people who want to reach out and learn more about you, where do they go? I'm an easy guy to find. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's I think most people know me there. Uh, Brent Orsuga, O R S U G A. Uh, that's probably the easiest way. Go to our website. Uh, but again, I'm pretty, uh, pretty active on there. And I think a lot of people recognize me from there, but I appreciate the time guys. Like I love this stuff. I'm sure we could talk all day long. So I'm sure we can. We'll have you back oh, on in, can, the, yes. in the future. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brent. We really appreciate it. Wow. What'd you think? Kevin? we had one more question? We had one more question. It was more just about how people are feeling about their, what other, what are your thoughts on looking for other employment opportunities in mm-hmm. the second half of 2020? But most people seem to feel they're either happy where they are now, which was 65%, and then uh, another 20-some-odd percent said they're not actively searching at all, right? But then there's somebody, there's one guy yeah. who's just looking to get out of the industry. There, there is. There's one person <laughs> out there. I, I thought that would be a little bit higher than, than, than what it was. But I guess in these uncertain times, you should be happy. And, and if you're in sales, you control your own destiny in, in a lot of respects. You know, sometimes culture is not good. Sometimes you're not a fit. Uh, there, there's a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, compared to, to any other position, you know, administrative or, or other things, you control your own destiny in sales. All right, let's get to the book. What book are we giving? What, what are we drawing for right now? We are drawing for uh, a book that, that Michael Neem had had put out, and I can't remember the name of it uh, whatsoever, but I am sure it's a great book, and uh, I'll look up the name, and we'll send that out. All right, Kevin, come to class prepared next time, okay? <laughs> All right, it is number 33, and number 33 would be Joseph Landry. He has won the book that Michael Neme had uh had suggested to us it is some sort of sports book, so it fits in with the analogy. Um, Kevin, who is the book czar around here, he seems to not remember the the name, but I think that we'll, we'll have to go back and we'll contact Michael Neme and uh, he'll hook us up, right, Kevin? Yeah, it's it's on on LinkedIn, so I, I can go look it up or I'll contact Michael and, and find out. But I don't think we ever wrote it down. I think it's 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 on the record on air in the last episode. Let's see. T- and some shout outs here. TJ Cardorelli, he says, I feel confident starting to have great conversations with new clients who didn't have anything in place prior to lockdown. 
A lot of roles are changing. So TJ is using the circumstances to his advantage, which you should be having conversations about what's going on in this day and age, especially mm-hmm. how it's impacting the supply chain. Go through your CRM. You're sitting at home. You, if you can't go out and make those sales calls, you know, you can still have those virtual meetings. You can still do that prospecting and you can still do that following up. As Brian said, none, nothing's stopping you. Nothing's preventing you from doing that other than you. Exactly right. That's what's in your control. Casey, so th- do what is in your control. Casey, this, this week's book. Oh, what is this week's book? It's Power Questions. So it's about 337 power questions to, to build relationships. Uh, it's, it's really handy for sales. I'm about halfway through it. And um, so there's some some really great questions for, for all situations that are a little bit alternative than, than the stock and will get better results. One of those is, uh, you know, how did you get started? If you, have, you get started with whatever. If you haven't entered a book drawing yet or you want to enter into this one, just contact Kevin Hill or myself with your name. That's at Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R on the Twitter or on LinkedIn. You can also look up Kevin Hill. Either of us will add you. It doesn't cost a thing. We uh, we roll right away for it. A couple comments here. Kenneth Carter III said survey complete. He was looking forward to the final results. Speaking of results on Thursdays, we put out that infographic that Emily Ricks puts together for us. So you can peep that after you're done. You can listen to the breakdown with Kevin, myself, and Brent, and, and do the whole immersive uh, situation together. Eric Sertis says, I'm always ready. I hope everyone else is ready. Chris Jolly, looking forward to the show. Nerf fad. Nardovic, he says, bring it, Jared Taylor, 2020. The old flywheel is being pumped right now, full steam ahead. So, you know, he's he was probably one of those optimistic answers on our survey. It is, yes. One of the most. Uh, and just- it's good. Justin Smith said, I love the topic. We just covered this with my sales team. We talked about a worthy adversary and winning philosophy of competing with people that we'd also like to see win, but I want to win more faster. Go check out. That was last week's uh, sales lessons from the last dance we did with Trey Grigg. Uh, Jason Miller said, in my field, the biggest motivator is internal drive. Given the massive lag between research efforts and academic publications, every person's a salesperson. So is Jason Miller, who's a Professor at Michigan State University and uh, sometimes contributor to different Freightways programs. Right, Kevin? That is exactly right. Uh, you, if you don't follow Jason Miller, go out and follow him right now. Bruno Lelo just uh, messaged me on LinkedIn, says, I guess no one wants to hear about the second half of 2020. LOL. See what I did there. But seriously, is your show on somewhere? I guess the sound isn't back up on LinkedIn. Uh, but this post will be out on FruitWaves.com and uh, sometime this afternoon, uh, probably a couple hours, right, Dooner? Yes, but the people hearing that are the ones who need the information the least, yeah. <laughs> oh, true. I, I guess so, right? On a normal day, we're usually on LinkedIn, FreightWaves LinkedIn, every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. But failing that, we're on Facebook and we're on FreightWaves.com and all that good stuff. We are. We are. And always uh, tune in Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon as well for the midday market update where we talk about the freight markets. Yeah, but then you got to do what the truck at noon on Mondays and Fridays, yes. right? 12 news and subscribe to Freightcast. Get every single Freightways podcast, including this one, all in one convenient place. Download the Freightways TV app. Put it on your Roku. Put it on your Apple TV. Put it on your Fire Stick. Put it where the sun don't shine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Put it anywhere. Just watch. Just watch, man. Can they? Are they going to get, get us out of here? The second half. I am pumped up. You know what I'm pumped up for? Those those design techs at, at uh, those engineers at LinkedIn fixing things. I know, right? I, I'm ready for that. Bane of my existence. <laughs>